special greeting to our family members that are the, in the aquarium out there. <laughs> Bless you guys. I, uh, we didn't know what to do. This is our first time in the new building, and uh, we thought, well, we'll do one service. Maybe it'll be attended decently. <laughs> we obviously didn't read that very well. Uh, we'll do some more services next year, uh, but our, our, the idea was we do a three o'clock service and we get back to family. Amen? So uh, I, I'm not going to talk long. I know that's a shock. Um, <laughs> and I, I was telling uh, Elijah uh, on the side stage here, um, I, I didn't know what the readings were going to be. I didn't know what the music was going to be. I, I haven't been active all week with the staff. And the reading, interestingly enough, was obviously Luke t- chapter 2, which you, you hear in the, the, the Christmas uh, cartoon with the peanuts every year, Linus reading Luke chapter 2. And then I loved it that uh, you all, they also added Matthew chapter 2 with the wise men. And the reason why is because uh, every year when um, it, it falls upon me as a minister to bring a Christmas Eve story, uh, it, it's an interesting group of people, a portion of you that gather. Uh, you come to church once a year and you hear the exact same passage and you're like, let's do something new. What do you got? And, and then the rest of the family has been going to church all years, like do something special to try to reach them. And so there's no pressure. I mean, it's just, uh, and, and I, I was, I was intrigued this year because as I was looking at the passage on what to share, um, I, I, um, I went to go see Aquaman with my, my boys and I had the privilege to go to a, a company here in town as the mayor uh, to visit, and they do the figurines, uh, the action figures uh, for all the movies. And um, I think it's called Sideshow. Is that right? Yeah. It's an amazing company. And their artwork is fascinating. And they sell these figurines, and they have a following and the whole bit. And uh, this is the first year as we've moved into our house here locally that we're going to be celebrating uh, Christmas. And, and so I went out and I bought a manger scene for my, my grandson and my granddaughter to be able to see. You're, you're excited too. Did you get one? Um, so I, 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 bought, I bought a manger scene. And it's been unpacked and, and Michelle and Natasha set it up. And I looked at the figurines. And you've seen the, the, uh, the manger scene typically. This is kind of a shadow picture of it. But those are the action figures uh, for the Christmas story. And they were all covered in Elijah's reading. Uh, You have Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. You have the shepherds. And then you see those three dudes coming in on the camels. You see them? Good. You're not blind. Praise the Lord. Those are the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Now what's fascinating about that is in Matthew chapter 2 it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Those guys didn't show up till months later. And the word that they use for... Jesus, um, as a child, is uh, like a three-year-old. He's actually older. It's taken a while for them to arrive. It didn't happen on Christmas Day, but we put that all in there, and those are the action figures. And they get a place, and now you get to sell their action figures, and you buy them at Costco, and you put them up on your mantle. Um, and, and, and so they made it into the movie uh, action figure area. You know, you have some, some subs in a movie that never get an action figure. They got one. And Mary and Joseph got one, the shepherds got one, even the, the camels, you got a couple of donkeys in there, song, and they're, they all get an action figure. Uh, here's another depiction of it, just to let you see, and, and there's the wise men. This time they lost their camels, and the camels were a little irritated by that. 
but they're bringing their gold and their frankincense and their myrrh. And, and here is a picture of the action figures themselves. You can purchase these and put them up on your mantle like we did. But what's interesting to me is these wise men in Matthew chapter 2 got action figures. And the camels got action figures. And they didn't show up till a couple years later. And two people got aced. They didn't get any action figures. And they actually were even closer to the date than the three wise men. As a matter of fact, when Elijah finished his reading, he stopped. And he stopped right at the part where these action figures should be honored. And I I have a couple of reasons why I think that they were left out. Um, And it's in actually Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn there. I'm just going to read it for you. It's a fascinating portion of Scripture It begins in verse 21, and the two people that we're going to be talking about uh, very briefly are um, Simeon and Anna. And you're like, what? Especially maybe some of you that, you know, you're the once a year folks. I call you CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only. And don't worry, it's not an insult. That was my life for the first 20-something years. And my mom used to attend church, and she'd say, these CEO Christians. She was a lovely woman at Christmas time. But we don't hear a lot about Simeon and Anna. And yet, it's interesting that in the passage of Scripture, immediately following exactly what Elijah read, the next verse says, and this is why I don't think they get action figures. It's, it's kind of tragic. It says, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child. I don't know how you present that in a manger scene. <laughs> You're tracking me? It's a little odd. Yeah. But at the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, and the name was given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb of Mary. And then verse 22 says, now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So the firstborn is brought and dedicated to God. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, the Levitical law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, which is the, the least offering you can bring if you're an impoverished family. So this, this dictates to us that Mary and Joseph were, were so poor they couldn't pay attention, and they brought the, the smallest offering possible. But here comes the action figures that have been left out of the manger scene. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Consolation means comfort. And the word comfort is where we get paraclete in the Greek. And it's the same word used in this passage. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the one who brings comfort. He comes alongside mankind. He's a restrainer of evil and he provides comfort to a hurting world. And he's waiting for this comfort. Simeon's waiting for this comfort and this consolation for Israel. And it was a very trying time in Israel. At this time, when, uh, when Simeon is waiting for this consolation, the word that they have waiting is this idea of this, this, they're alert and they're waiting for his appearance. Both Simeon and Anna, are, are, they have been waiting diligently and they're, they're both very, very old and they've been waiting patiently. And Anna's looking forward to this and so is Simeon. And when it says that uh, they were waiting for the consolation of Israel, They hadn't heard from God for almost 400 years. 
And we've covered this in previous studies. The, the temple had been silent. The priest hadn't heard anything until Zacharias went in and Gabriel spoke to him. And, and the temple, and for 400 years, God hadn't said anything since Malachi, which was the last book of the Old Testament, until we come into the gospel accounts. They had lost their political independence to Rome. Their nation was decimated. Um, they were living in fear. And it was an awful time to be a Jew, it was an awful time politically. It was an awful time financially. It was difficult. Everyone was suffering. And at this time when this happens, it says here that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit is upon him. The Holy Spirit drew him to this place. The scripture says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So in one sense, he's excited about seeing the Lord. In another sense, it's like his ticket out of here. Oh, there's Jesus. Uh oh. <laughs> I mean, you're excited about him coming and you're kind of bummed about going. And that's Simeon. And he's well advanced in years. And the Holy Spirit had revealed this to him. And so, it, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus, as the scripture says, um, and I, I lost my play. Oh, here it is. Uh, do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And, and I, I, I was thinking about this, these, these action figures. Uh, you, you have... You, you have uh, Anna, who we're going to see momentarily, and then you have this picture, and I love this painting. It's one of my favorites, and this is a picture of Simeon in his old age, and he's holding the consolation of Israel in his arms, and it's, it's deeply touching him, and you can see it on his face that there's a comfort for the people that he's been interceding for and praying for, and I, I, I want to do a move in the body of Christ where we start pressuring Amazon and the others to make some of these figurines that we can start to put in the manger scene if possible, and in this... You see, you see uh, Simeon, and he's longing for one thing, comfort. I, and I was, I was struck by that. I can't think of a time since I've lived in this city where I, I long that we would be comforted. It's been a rough year. I... Uh, I didn't know whether or not to wear a tie, and, and I put one on, and then I thought, well, I have to wear a blazer with the tie because I need to hide the cord of the thing. And I grabbed the blazer out of the closet, and I put it on, and then I looked down, and it was the one that I'd worn on Tuesday night, and it had the pin on it. And I thought, that's a little ostentatious. But as I saw the pin, it was given to me. It says, Mayor. And I think as I stand up here, not only as a minister, but also as the mayor of the city, the one thing that I long for is what Simeon long for, and that's the comfort that God can bring to a hurting people. Simeon held this little child in his arms, and his face was just radiant with this joy as the Holy Spirit had filled him, and the comfort that he longed for the nation that had been burdened and oppressed and hurting was very evident, and the scripture declares it. And as he's holding this child, and you can imagine how odd this is. They walk into the temple for the circumcision of, of their child and to de dedicate this child with, 
with their poor offering as, as, impoverished, as an impoverished couple. And this elderly man comes up to them and takes the baby out of their arms. Now, we have uh, two grandkids, one on the way and, and five kids. And, and we've, the kids have been raised in the church. And, you know, you, you, you have well-meaning folks and it's precious. They just come up, oh, a baby, and they take them out of your arms. And we've experienced this, Michelle and I. And you're like, oh, gosh, please don't drop our child. And, and you're, you're kind of used to this and folks wanting to just look at a baby and touch the baby and hold the baby. And, and, um, and you know, the first child, you're, you know, you, the pacifier falls and you boil it and then you, you know, and you're worried about everything. And by the time the fifth one came along, you're like, go play in traffic. It just doesn't even, <laughs> well, this is their first child and, and this is the Messiah and this man comes up and there has to be a radiance on his face or something that brings a peace and a comfort to them that they would yield this child into the arms of an elderly man that would hold this baby and begin to prophesy and pray over this child. And it's touching to me that at the moment that he takes this child into his arms and he says, which you've prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And then it goes on to say, in the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken to Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child. And this is what's fascinating to me. He says this to Mary. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. And he looked at her. And this is the last thing you want to hear as a mother. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against Yes, a sword will pierce, pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary knew what was destined for her son. But to hear that at a time where you're rejoicing at the dedication of your child to the Lord, to realize that this baby was born to die for the sins of the world. I think of all the families. This is going to be a rough Christmas in Thousand Oaks. And I think as Mary heard those words, there was a joy and a sadness that overwhelmed her. And at that moment, this woman comes to her. It's Anna. There was one Anna, a prophetess. She would speak things that were yet to happen. The daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. I could go into a study on that, but for the sake of time, I won't. But she's significant in many ways. And we can learn much about her if we do that study. She was of great age. I mean, there were folks that were, were old, and she had surpassed them. She was of great age. I was watching um, a video of, of three folks in England who were over 105 years of age. And they were asking him, what is the secret to a long life? And they were so cute. And one man was doing his own shopping on his iPad. I've got shepherd's pie coming. And they were talking about their life. And each of them were widowers, all three of them. And they spoke about what it means to love in life and then to lose someone you love. That was a part that hit me deep as I watched that video, the the sweetness of, of the wisdom and the tenderness of their lives, but then reflecting upon the pain in a fallen world of having lost someone that they love so dearly. But they had managed to overcome this and continue on with life, and that's what Anna did. 
And she, she was of great age. It says that she had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She was very young when she married. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. She had been a widow. That's a long time. And she didn't depart from the temple. When her husband died, she became dedicated to the Lord and remained in the temple, fasting and praying day and night. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to him to all those who look for the redemption in Israel. Anna was looking not for the comfort of Israel. Anna longed, interestingly enough, for forgiveness, redemption, to be redeemed from the slave block of life. A Jew would understand redemption because they had been a redeemed people that had been taken out of bondage in, in Egypt and had experienced a nation once again. They understood that sin is slavery. Jesus would go on to say that we're slaves of sin. And she was there seeking forgiveness. She knew that not only was he the one to bring comfort, but he was also the one to bring forgiveness. I was hit by that. I can think of a woman who'd been widowed 84 years. What was it that happened in her life that caused her to go to the temple day and night and to fast and to wait and to never remarry? What was the last conversation they had before her husband died? How did he die? I remember when my mom passed. But months prior to that, we had gone to Coronado for the 4th of July. And my mom could be kind of pushy. I know you don't have moms like that. <laughs> and she stepped over the line. And I was very upset. And I'd had enough. We get that at the Christmas time, don't we? As we gather with families and we have to readjust and the gears have to get into sync and you haven't been with each other through the... And, and you got the pressure, financial pressure, and you've got the Christmas pressure, and you've got to get everybody where they're supposed to go, and, and you've got to get the meals, and, and oh my goodness, it's overwhelming. And things are said that shouldn't be said, and feelings are hurt. Family's odd that way. And at this point, my mom had crossed the line, and I, I, I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. I'm the youngest of four, and, and I had... I had grown up without my older siblings. They, they were long gone by the time. And I grew up with my parents almost like an only child. And, and I, I knew how they operated. And I'd seen their, their flaws. And, and I learned how to push back. I could get them to laugh. I'm watching that with my son, Michael. He has this unique ability. You can be just furious with him and he can get you to giggle. And you still just want to kill him. <laughs> But at this moment, my mom had crossed the line, and I was finished. And I had my own family. I had my own concerns. I wasn't going to put up with this anymore. I didn't need the pressure. I had my own. And as I began to leave the house and go back to my own home, my father in the throes of Alzheimer's followed us out to the car. 
He couldn't communicate because his mind wasn't operating, but he was a peacemaker. He was a sweet man. He had lived with that woman for 57 years. And my mom was a precious lady. Please don't misunderstand me, but she, she was a driver. God bless you. I, I heard your giggle. And as, as my dad followed us out to the car, he was looking at me trying to somehow tell me, you can't do this. You'll regret it. And I, I looked at him, and I, 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 I knew he didn't completely understand what I was saying, but I just said, Dad, you don't understand. That woman is just, that's it. I love you, but I'm leaving. And I remember driving out of that driveway and heading home to my house to start my life without them. And there was almost a relief, but there was almost a sadness in it all. It was, it was not reconcilable. And that's what happens in families. And you know, you can, you can get along in life, and you just put them in your rearview mirror. You just keep moving. And then, when I'd started the ministry here 17 years ago, a sweet man showed up at the church. He had moved here from Florida to do real estate in his 70s. And when he showed up at church, he said, I'm not here to do real estate, I'm here to serve you. And that was Marty Richter. Marty walked into my office shortly after that occurrence with my, my mom, and he looked at me and he said, you need to forgive her and reconcile with her. And the Bible says to honor your elders, and Marty's my elder, and I just looked at him, I said, you're, you're stepping over the line. I didn't invite you into this. Now, just get out. I wasn't pleasant, and he was persistent. And he'd come back in, and I'd make him leave. And he was irritating. I know that's hard to believe. And he finally came in, and he said, look, I was, I had irreconcilable differences and I, I, I was separated from my wife, my first wife. I got separated from my children. I didn't know the Lord. I've I'm, I'm, I'm been reconciled to him, I've been forgiven. I'm reestablishing a relationship with my son. I've lost time. And I, I want to tell you with wisdom in, in this stage in my life that you don't want to make this mistake, reconcile with her. And I, I, I knew he was right, and that's what irritated me. And I, I told him candidly, I said, I don't even know how to reconcile with her. She's just so frustrating. He said, you're funny, tell her a joke. I said, I don't think there's a joke funny enough. And he says, I'll pray for you. And he leaves. And then he comes back shortly with a stack of papers. And he puts them on my desk. He says, and he, he's killed thousands of trees. He's just a printer. And he, he brings out this stack of papers. He said, these are jokes. And I did the funniest at the top. And they get dumber as they go down. <laughs> and I literally got to the second joke, maybe the first joke. And it was hilarious. Because my dad's struggling with Alzheimer's. My mom's having to care for him. And the joke begins with... Um, uh, a man went to a, uh, a memory seminar, 
because his memory was struggling and he came back from the seminar and his friend said, how'd the seminar go? Did it help? He goes, amazing seminar. The memory seminar was exceptional. He said, really? He says, yeah. And he says, what's the name of the, the memory seminar? He says, you know what? It was word association. Um, the name of the seminar was, um, what, what's, the, what's the flower with the stem and the thorns and it's red? He goes, Rose. He goes, yes, thank you. Hey, Rose, what was the name of the seminar that I... <laughs> And I told, I called my mother up. She answers the phone and the voice, what? Why are you calling? <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm just your voice. I'm calling to tell you a joke. <laughs> what is it? I tell her the joke. Bless her heart, she just, it was exactly what she needed, the comfort of laughter, isn't it? You're watching the mind of the man you love disappear before your very eyes. You're estranged from your son. Your body is getting aged. And then laughter comes in, comfort. She starts to laugh. I'm laughing, she's that contagious laugh, and my laughter causes her to laugh. And it's this swirling, hilarious giggling where we're just breathless. And I said, Mom, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? She goes, I forgive you. (laughs) I'm like, and... She doesn't do that. That's not her generation. When she says, I forgive you, and you have to learn that generation, they're saying, will you forgive me too? I had to read into it. I hope that's what she was saying. <laughs> I said, uh, I, just, I just don't want to be distant. And it, and it reconciled us. And eight months later, she was dead. I don't know what happened with Anna. 84 years a widow, why she would be in the temple every day asking and seeking forgiveness, fasting and praying. I don't know. I don't know what the last words were before he walked out of the house. We all carry that. Life can be awfully difficult. I don't want to belabor this. I would just simply bring it to this point that In relation to Simeon, he was waiting for comfort. That was Simeon's heart. He wanted to see God bring comfort. And I I think that these two action figures are what are desperately needed in our community right now. I so want comfort for our city, for these families. The desire to be comforted is a universal human need. We all struggle with loneliness and emptiness, insecurity, even desperation, sadness. I watched it in my mom's eyes. I watched it in my dad's eyes as my mom passed. And even with Alzheimer's, we didn't know whether or not to bring him in to say goodbye to mom. And he kept kissing her oxygen mask. We didn't know he could speak, and he backed up, and he said, and he hadn't said a word. He said, I love you. 
One of the things that my mom missed when my dad got Alzheimer's is, it, is the disease took his humor. He was the funniest man I ever met. And my mom had said, I, I, I'm, I regret that the disease has taken your father's humor. She loved to laugh. It brought her comfort. And when my dad was in the hospital room and he said, I love you, my mom, through the mask, said, Roy, I'm going to heaven. I have the video. I could show it to you. She said, Roy, I'm going to heaven. And my dad says, I'll race you. That wit just, boom, came right there. All of us, we just, we were undone. And then shortly after that, she was with the Lord. Comfort. Oh, I pray that upon all of us in this community. But I also pray this for us. And this is the other action figure. Anna was waiting for forgiveness. Instead of looking for comfort, Anna was looking for forgiveness. You may not even believe you need to be forgiven. You may be like me, justified in your anger. And to make that phone call and to tell that joke and to reconcile that family, that's a little bit beyond you as it was for me. But the Holy Spirit calls to all of us this Christmas day or Eve that not only would we seek comfort, but we would also extend and receive forgiveness. Now, I'll just conclude by saying this. What, what more could we want for Christmas in this community? Forgiveness brings comfort. Comfort opens up the way for forgiveness. Jesus provided the very thing that Simeon and Anna were waiting for. God's comfort and his forgiveness. And I just want to ask you this question. What are you waiting for this Christmas? Whatever it is, the Lord is here to give it to you. It's not material. We're not on this earth for the accumulation of more crap. And I use that word biblically. We're here because we're a community and we're family. We're called to comfort one another and dwell with each other in unity. We offend each other. And we're offended. And the secret to healing is forgiving. And the forgiveness you receive from Christ is a forgiveness you can give to others. I could not say no to Marty because I knew as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord who left the glory of heaven's throne for the humiliation of an earthly cross to die in my place and shed his blood that I would be forgiven for all of my sins, past, present, and future, and receive that gift from God, that I couldn't extend it to somebody else? That I would stand in my own justification that you have wronged me? doesn't work that way to the level you forgive you will be forgiven 
You see, that brings the healing and that brings the comfort and the comfort opens up the way for us to do that. Comfort one another, forgive one another. I'll tell you what, these are action figures I would like to see in the manger scene. Anna and Simeon. God has given you a Christmas gift in these two elderly folks that waited and waited and waited for that gift that you and I tomorrow and even right now can receive and it's one that will never grow outdated or be tarnished or broken comfort and forgiveness upon his people that is what God has brought to us through his son Jesus Christ and he says to all of you this day Merry Christmas Amen Amen